0: This is futureproof on News Talk. I'm Jonathan McRae. Now, what would a message from another life form, not of this planet, sound like? Researchers at the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Post Detection Hub at the University of St Andrews in Scotland have their eyes and ears peeled to interpret alien language, should it happen. Among them is Dr. John Elliott. He's honorary research fellow in the School of Computer Science and the coordinator for the SETI Post Detection Hub. Uh, he joins me now. Welcome to the program, John. So um, tell me a little bit about SETI, what you do and and, and what you're looking well, out for.
1: Well, SETI itself uh, looks at uh, everything beyond our own atmosphere. So it's searching to see if there's life out there, listening for signals uh, and searching for other anomalies that may be made by another intelligence or even just looking for life in some form or other. How do you do that? Well, uh, from the signal point of view, we've got radio telescopes that listen in all the time. So we've got these, effectively, these big ears listening to the galaxy at particular frequencies to see if we can hear a transmission, anything that would be evidence of a technology or even a message. That's this sort of classic SETI scenario that we receive a message but there's far out there's lots of other ways of looking for life out there looking for remnants of uh, past civilizations looking for artifacts there's lots of different things that uh, can be done but obviously the, the easiest thing to do is just to listen um remotely because it doesn't cost as much in comparison to all the other ways
0: yes yeah, space is big I'm I'm no astrophysicist, oh, yes. but it, it's big. And uh, if we were to point our ears at everything all the time, all at once, um, that would be a lot of information to try and decode. I remember hearing how much um, the uh, iLofar um, node here, just the, uh, mm-hmm. one node of the giant radio telescope, Lofar, that's across Europe. Ireland is a part of it. And, and the amount of data that goes into one node is like, I mean, it's mind-boggling that they try and mm-hmm. then try and decode. H- how much do we listen into? Do we pinpoint a particular area, or do we take shrewd yes. guesses, or how do we, how do we, how do we listen?
1: Well, we're listening to particular frequencies that are um, most likely the quieter areas. What they call the hydrogen line. Um, it's just a particular quiet area that uh, is most likely that a free, uh, message or uh, some sort of signal may be. Uh, transmitted. Well, if, if it's it's, not,
0: why, do, why do we want a quiet place? I thought we want a loud place.
1: No, no. There is quiet in a sense for the. Uh, it's not. It, there's no noise to get in the way of the uh, message getting through. Right. It's a, it's just a, a good channel to transmit on. We've got these particular frequencies that we listen out on. Um, but just to give you an idea, the biggest telescopes we've got, uh, radio telescopes, it's lo- like looking out into the night sky through a straw. Hmm. Um, we were just saying about listening to all the frequencies all the time we just haven't got the capacity let alone the data storage
0: (laughs) so so we're taking a bit of a guess and pointing it in a particular direction and hoping something comes through um how do we know we've got the right um frequency to detect i mean if we're only listening on some frequencies how do we know these are the ones that aliens are likely to
1: use well um it goes back to we can only do a certain amount at the moment so right. we've gone for the most likely yes it could be on a completely different frequency I mean you mentioned low far the low frequency this is why they've um also been involved in certain times and phases but um we as we increase our capacity to be able to do things with our uh, better technology like the square kilometer array coming on on board soon Our um, ability to listen will increase and more areas of the night sky, all the different frequencies um, will come on board so we can listen to more areas at the same time. It's early stages with our technology even now. Um, It really is early days. And as we progress, our ability to listen will increase as well.
0: If we were just to open up Mike, there's lots of different frequencies that's going to hit it from the universe, right? Um, you know, um, energies from way back the, at the beginning uh, of the universe and so on. So what, what, um, what, what are we looking for in terms of a signature? Because we've been caught out a couple of times when we've discovered sort of regular beeps. Uh, and 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 misidentify them through history, right? What what yeah. what 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 sort of a, a a signature are we looking for from an alien species that would give us an idea these are technologically advanced and trying to communicate something?
1: Yeah, it's a, the the frequency of be a, a tightly focused, narrow band frequency. So it's um, it's it's not distributed. It's it's very focused, uh, tightly a uh, narrow band signal. That's what we're looking for. That this is a sort of um message that could get through on a long distance um so that we're looking for that type of signature and then within it if we find that then there's lots of other uh things that we're looking at inside it to be able to understand uh if it's carrying a message
0: um speaking of messages like i mean this is listening to this you know 30 years ago it would be the ramblings of a lunatic, um, really, uh, and people would say, "Oh, this is you know, this is all sort of pie in the sky sci-fi." Mm-hmm. But but when we look at the mathematics, the chances of us being alone in the universe are infinitesimally small, uh, and so this is 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 a, a, you know, and not a, a it's not a crazy um, export to try and and do this to listen out for these sort of things. But while we're while we're listening for some sort of symbol, are we? doing any sort of research in the background on what we might do if we find that sort of, uh, you know, what effect it would have on, on people if we knew there were aliens? Like, Has, there, has anyone ever run a, a psychological scenario of of seeing how people would react if, if aliens were announced as a definite existence in our universe? Is that something that SETI is, is interested in or involved in?
1: Yeah, well, this is the post-detection side. This is what the hub is about. St Andrews. Um, we're talking about if we receive a signal that you know and some mechanics of identifying it but um a huge amount of what we do is looking at how humanity will react to such uh a discovery um so all this post what we call post detection is we've confirmed we've received something like a signal or we've discovered something now the post detection side is all the plans and strategies in place to how to tell people um, to understand how the impacts will unfold, all these sort of societal issues as well. Wow, so that's what we're doing. So
0: talk to me about that then. Um, how to tell people is an interesting one. How do you research something like this because it doesn't really have a precedent or, or does it?
1: It does in some ways you've <sighs> there are global catastrophes um that we've had in the past that we can look towards or even things like covid you know there's lots of sort of global impacts that we can see something about uh how humanity reacts to something a uh, threats in that sense. but we're not talking about threats in the sense of receiving a signal but it, it gives you an idea how people react to different types of scenarios in the past now we can look at that a bit but then what, what we'll be doing is um discussing things like this with the public uh putting out surveys um getting eliciting feedback to see how what people's opinions are mm. along with of course all the expertise in these areas um to to bring it together it's a it's a lot of work and it has some work has been done before but not in a not in a coordinated way as we're doing in the hub
0: so um t- take me through some of the actual work that's been doing because it sounds quite theoretical um some of this but what research have you actually done and what research are you planning in this post detection hub
1: Well think of it as like um a framework so we've made a discovery and this is going to trigger given a particular scenario um what other elements uh, will be involved um is it a long way away is it close by um we'll have a uh, an immediate effect i've particularly run things personally with my research about um receiving a signal um which is the most likely of all the scenarios given our knowledge now with um
0: like like what like d- deciphering an alien language
1: yeah yeah really? like that's, that's that's me <laughs> no
0: right so um, um so h- how on earth would you decipher an alien language
1: well i start off with looking at all the types of communication on this planet because this is the one data set we've got so look at all the different types of human language all the different types of um, families of language you put together human language but not just human look at dolphin language bird communication or these different type types of way that you were calling more intelligent animals um, communicate as well to see underlying how those um different types of communication is there something common the way the information is put together in the way that we actually communicate so we're telling this we're all sort of telling the same story to each other it was just the veneer on top the different sounds we make for different languages or the different ways we write for a different language well, i would call that a veneer underneath it there's structures there how we put this together that actually are very common and by understanding these templates we can then see if we can identify that in an alien language or something close to it with the different patterns they've got, then delve into it to see what we can glean from it. Of course, like any language, it's uh, there's an arbitrary pairing between the symbols or the sounds we make and the meaning behind it. So unless we've got some sort of Rosetta Stone, the actual full meaning behind a message may get lost unless they send us images uh, some sort of common frame of reference.
0: That's right. Because if they're saying, um, "Would you like to blumber Clark our fenugget storks?" Um, we we just wouldn't know what that means. Even if, if we need some frame of reference, right? But yeah, yeah, But it's all of that language is going to be encapsulated in something, right? I mean, like, isn't worrying or isn't thinking about the the sort of language, whether it's human or bird or dolphin-like, is that sort of pointless in a way because? Surely it would have to be encapsulated in radio waves to get here. And if we identify some sort of signal encapsulated in radio waves, then we'll know that's alien language.
1: It's the way it's the, way the uh, languages are put together. So, um, it's almost immaterial. After realising that there's underlying structures that remain common, even if you're a dolphin or a human, um, the way you, the patterns of language are put together to be able to communicate because one of the big things about communication is there's a speaker and there's a hearer and you've got a channel of communication such as that you want to get the point across uh clearly so you you've got to have that system in there to be able to do that and, and it's that sort of need to uh have embedded in a communication system that you can identify and start to unpick there's a lot of maths there's a lot of pattern recognition in there. But ultimately, you can identify if it's carrying information. You can even have a good idea of what type of information is being carried as well. Right. Tell me
0: about the, the people in the St. Andrew's Post Detection Hub because obviously you're spending your time, your life, your research looking at something that, um, that may have some side uses, but it's all really aimed towards the potential contact with another life form, which is... In some ways, is probably inevitable, but on a very long time scale. But in the, in the short term, it's probably unlikely. How, how do people feel about that? How do you feel about that?
1: Um, well, I know from my research on sort of messages and understanding language that I've been able to work more terrestrial uh, problems, even with the police and helping them catch criminals and their communication. Um, wow. So it has earthbound. Um, benefits as well and if you think about post detection all those areas that are looking at um, how humanity to reacts to things and understanding what makes us human of course immediately this is uh, beneficial to lots of areas that are understanding how we our behavior Mm. so just about everything we do has an earthbound benefit
0: but it's probably more fun to be thinking uh, about that first contact at the same time. So I, ca- I kind of see how that works. That to me would be the perfect way to phrase it is we're going to look at it from an alien's point of view, but um, at the same time, what we learn will t- tell us more about what it's like to be a human on this planet. Fascinating work. Thank you so much for joining us uh, from the post-detection hub at St. Andrews in Scotland. That is Dr. John Elliott. John, thanks for your time. Pleasure. Thank you. It's amazing to me that there is a whole team working on post-alien contact. So once we've contacted aliens, what we do after that. Fascinating stuff. Have they already contacted us, though? Are you someone who believes you have experienced aliens in some way or witnessed something that you couldn't explain? You can email us, science at newstalk.com, or you can tweet us. We're at Newstalk Science.